Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of On to the Next One. Thank you for joining us. I am Mike Heck, and you're probably wondering to yourself, self. Why is there a show this week? There's no UFC event. Well, my friends, we didn't want to leave you hanging, so we decided to put together a short notice, ask us anything type of program. And yes, we are recording on Friday. It's going to be released on Sunday. So if something is asked and answered between now and then and things happen to change in that period of time, tough noogies. I don't know what to tell you. But anyways, another reason I'm very excited to do this my best friend's back, and we're going to be in trouble. Hey, now. Wow. Hey, now. My best friend's back. Mr. Wow. Alexander Kaylee. Hello, sir. Welcome back to the crazy and wonderful world of MMA. That's the best rendition of that song I have ever heard. That was so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Thanks Thanks for welcoming me back. Uh, yeah, I'm back from a, from a quick little vacay, quick little jaunt out to uh, the land of Paul Craig uh, out to Scotland. And oh, and uh, I was going to do a Joe and joanne wood impression but that's that's a lot tougher so um yeah i'm well rested i am more enlightened globally and this is like the perfect time to do an ask me anything because my mind is just going in all kinds of different directions man so uh i think this is a great idea and i saw i've I've screened some of the questions a lot of them uh, a few don't have to do with mma which is great we'll see if we can touch upon some of those And, and then of course there's plenty of uh combat sports related questions well the beauty of this as well is that a lot has happened since you've been gone. Luke Rockhold and Paul Costa didn't have a first round fight. They had a 15 minute war. Luke Rockhold retires. Tony Ferguson is fighting in two weeks at welterweight against Lee Jing Liang. Mike Perry beat MVP in bare knuckle boxing. But the big one since you've been gone, Leon Edwards has become the freaking man and people just can't get enough of this victory. The event in general, UFC 278 knocks out Kamaru who's been in the final minute. And he's the damn champ, and his life has changed overnight. So I'm curious, 
since I don't think you've made this public at all, what was your reaction when you found out what happened and what have you made of this explosion that he has been a part of ever since? Uh, I didn't find out till like the next day. I was at a wedding. Uh, there's a bit of a time difference. Scotland's five hours ahead. So I was at a wedding. I don't remember if I got the notification during, probably after. I probably went to sleep or something and got it in the morning. Uh, and at first I thought I read it wrong. At first I was confused. I was like, I was like, Edwards KO'd Usman. I'm like, I'm like, that can't be right. And I was going to message you guys on Slack. I'm like, you guys messed up. You guys messed up this headline or something. I don't know what's going on. Cause I did not see it live. I was only <laughs> getting notifications and I thought someone at MMA fighting messing up. Uh, and then of course I, I, I went onto Twitter, saw the clip and I was just like, wow, that was, uh, I had, I, I will say I, uh, I met our, our MMA colleague, Nick Baldwin while I was in Scotland, we visited Sterling Castle together. He's a, the, the young man, the, the MMA prodigy is on a, uh, currently on a trip of Europe. He's, he's, he's exploring and enjoying his youth. And, um, and we happened to be in Scotland at the same time. So we went to Sterling Castle. And we talked about MMA a bit, of course. And we said we thought we both thought Leon had a very good chance to win. Um, neither of us like were saying like, oh, if we, if we had to make official predictions that we would have necessarily picked Edwards. But like, we thought Edwards by decision is not unreasonable at all. It's like he has really good takedown defense and he's a good striker. I mean, what else? What else is that not the most basic formula to deal with someone like Kamar Usman? Neither of us would have predicted a head kick knockout. I mean, even late in the fight, even saying like, oh, it'll go to the fifth round and like maybe Leon's worn him down and you know can score a knockout in that way. I still wouldn't have thought that Leon Edwards would knock him out, much less in a come-from-behind, less-than-a-minute-remaining-in-the-fight fashion. So, uh, yeah, completely mind-blowing. Again, I, I, I saw it a different way because I didn't catch it live. I, I, in a way, I'm still kind of processing it um, because I, I actually still haven't watched the entire event. Um, so it's just this kind of weird, isolated moment. But, um, yeah, great for Leon. It's it's amazing that you mentioned you know people can't get enough of it. We're, we're, we're actually dealing with legitimate Leon mania and, uh, you know, it, it's well-deserved, well-deserved for sure. And I think Kamaru has also handled the loss very, very, very well um, from what we've seen so far. So in your wonderful, legendary Otno matchmaking brain, we're doing the trilogy fight, right? Like there's yep. no other options here? I mean, there are options, but this is, this is the best one. Well, I think as you as you and Jed uh, talked about on, the, on, on to the next one, like if Usman wants to take time off, that opens up all kinds of possibilities for Edwards. Uh, you would hope no matter what, the next title fight is in... Uh, is in England, is you know London, anywhere. Um, Jed did point out he does not think it would be a good idea for Leon to fight Hamzat, but I don't know. Listen, I don't think like Hamzat necessarily is going to run through Leon. Uh, Gilbert Burns gave Hamzat a tough fight. Why can't why can't Leon Edwards do the same? I don't understand. Unless we think Gilbert Burns is that much better than Leon Edwards or something, or it's a stylistic thing, which fine I can understand. They're they're not the same kind of fighter, so it wouldn't necessarily necessarily excuse me be the same kind of fight. But I'm fine with him. Uh, fighting Hamzat, and this actually may tie into a question later if I get a chance to read this. This is a little teaser for you, but uh, if 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 it were up to me, yeah, you run it back. Um, it would be cool if, if Leon could fit in a title defense in between and Kamaru could get some time off to sort of rest, relax, recover after being so active over the last three or four years. Um, but if uh, if by some, if he is ready to go, man, you just you just run that one back. Well, let's get into this. We have asked you. To submit questions, we didn't give you a lot of time. I got some. I saw that some oh, we got, got posted on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, not sure how many, uh, uh, how many others you got in in your other forms, but we'll get to as many as we can here. We asked for your questions about MMA, non MMA, whatever you want. So I, I think we just flip flop here. And since you're back, why don't you go first? Oh, I was I was not expecting to lead off. All right, uh, who do, you know? I'll go to our our pal Kanichi. 
on Twitter because uh, I think he was probably the I want to say Kenichi was the first person. Kenichi has a statement which I'll read. Uh, I'm sending him a question now before I forget. My question is, and you know what we were just talking about, Leon. If I am Masvidal and his team, and I want that Leon title shot, shouldn't I be doing whatever I can to make the McGregor fight? I know there's been banter and tweets back and forth, but I just heard Leon say if Jorge can get a win, he'd give him a shot, and I think Jorge would prefer Connor over a Colby Covington rematch. Uh, or Hamza or Bilal, Sean Brady, Shavkat. I mean, I think he loses to all those guys. I know McGregor may have that Oliveira shot, but Charles needs to get past Islam first, and Connor's so big, I think he'd prefer 170 to 155 now, and I feel like he would probably favor Masvidal over all those guys I listed earlier, too. Plus, this fight would totally headline a pay view, do big numbers, so UFC would be down. They can even label it number one contender fight, even though uh, by merit it wouldn't be. So, uh, sorry for the long conversation, but to summarize, if I had Masvidal and team, I would do whatever it took to make that McGregor fight uh, if I want a title shot again. So not really a question, more of a statement, Like, I guess, get your thoughts on that. I think you talked about it this a little bit on uh, Heck of a Morning earlier this week. I believe there's some Masvidal-Leon chatter. Yeah, I don't think Masvidal necessarily needs to target Connor. I think he's hmm. done that. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and he said Connor's the one he preferred. He called him some things I'm not going to say. For just, I'm lazy. I don't want to put the explicit tag on this, but <laughs> it was... It's clear what Mazadal wants. Gilbert Burns is an option as well. I didn't see that name mentioned at all. Gilbert's been lobbying for that fight. Mazadal said he's down. It's just a matter of when, because Mazadal's about to go to trial for this alleged Colby Covington attack in Miami Beach. So I think Mazadal just needs to fight somebody and win. I don't think it really matters. It's got to be somebody with a name. Like even earlier today, it's Friday, Rafael Sanjo said, my title hopes are essentially done. I want just fights with big names and legends, just things that get me excited. RDA versus Mazadal, that would be fine. Like, Mazadal oh. fought RDA and won, then he's getting a title fight. Like, you just got to fight somebody with some sort of name and look good, and I think he would get a title fight. Now, that is if Leon beats Usman in the rematch. Then he sets himself up nicely. And who knows? Mazadal could sit out, and if... Leon beats Usman again. Leon could just say, all right, Masvidal, we're going. And that's probably what they're going to do. But, I mean, I know Hamzat's in the discussion too, but Hamzat's got options too. He could go fight Colby. That would make sense if he beats Nate. He could go fight Adesanya. And the UFC ain't going to disregard that idea in any way. So it's kind of a wait and see. But if I'm Masvidal, I'm just trying to get back in there ASAP against somebody that I can look good against, but somebody who has somewhat of a name. Yeah, no, I, I I I like where Kenichi's coming from here. I mean, obviously, anyone should want to fight Conor McGregor if you think he's a beatable opponent. That is always where like all the big money's going to be. But I'm also with you, Mike, in that a win over RDA would be, I hadn't even thought about that would definitely be interesting. He could say he beat a former UFC champion, of course, you know, in a different weight class. But uh, and also, uh, you know, RDA, R, RDA, RDA, I think I would consider to be a more winnable fight than Gilbert Burns, though. Um, I wonder if. Both fighters would be favored over Masvidal. RDA would be pretty close, maybe more closer to pick him. Um, I don't know. Yeah, and then, but uh, Burns would definitely be favored. So, yeah. But I, I like the idea of him beating Burns, too. Because if he beat Burns, then that's definitely no one would question. I mean, you just suddenly take that top three spot from him. And guess what? You deserve a title shot. So, yeah, he really needs to beat somebody at least fairly credible. Um, and I think McGregor would be a great choice, but, um, yeah, I, I'm with you though. Just, just fight someone, please. Yeah. I mean, if you get, if you can get the red panty night, go get it, but there's just, it's too much time between now and then so many things can happen that to put all your eggs in that basket, I think would be a disservice to, to Mazadal. So, uh, let me pull this up. Dan on the IG, 
Oh, all right. Not on MMA. Uh, hey, guys, what do you like to do when you're not covering MMA oh. or if you have a rare day off or have any free time at all? I am such a basketball fanatic. I love to play basketball. I love to watch basketball. If I have it, most of my days off uh, when I don't have any MMA fighting related responsibilities, uh, I'll just go down to the park. I will shoot around and, you know, play pickup for like four hours. Like I was just I'm doing it now while my knees are still intact any minute now. I know, I know, uh, whatever, something's going to happen, I'm sure, and I, I won't be able to play. So while I still have most of my health, I, I just play as much as possible. I started playing indoors again recently. Um, so, yeah, I'm a huge, huge basketball guy, and uh, I got that old man game, Mike. I got that old man. I don't jump at all. I'm preserving that cartilage. I, I jump. I, I literally jump maybe if I play for, like, let's say I play three pickup games. In those pickup games, I might jump six times in total. <laughs> like that, that's, I'm, if I'm getting a rebound, Mike, I'm just boxing out. You know, I'm just boxing out. I, I, I rebound with position, Mike, not athleticism. I'm, I'm about positioning and toughness. Uh, but yeah, no more jumping for this man. Pretty much, barely any jumping. And uh, and I got that old man. You know, I'm an old man. I'm a set shooter. Hit me, I'm open. I'll hit. I get hit to that mid-range jump shot. Uh, but I do love the game. Yeah, and and watching. And once the season starts, I mean, forget it. That takes up. It's half my life is on May. Half my life is watching basketball. It's just, it's it. Yeah, me. It's just normal stuff. Spending time with the fam. I like to I like to hit the weights as much as possible. I like to play golf. Uh, if pickup game of basketball comes available, I will go. Uh, I like to play softball in the spring and fall. Yeah, uh, once a week, enjoy that very much. And you know, just the family time is the most important. But yeah, I just like to be active and not think about MMA when I don't have to think about MMA. Like I didn't watch Contender Series on Tuesday. It's probably the worst, the first one I've missed in a while, uh, and I was okay with it. I was okay with it, AK. Yeah, and we love MMA. I feel should also know, of course, we love MMA. But, you know, anything that becomes work, you've got to learn to sort of compartmentalize it, um, even if it's something you're so passionate about and, you know, so very lucky to cover. Uh, when I was in Scotland, like, I barely – I don't think I messaged our Slack channel once. I don't – I was – I kept up. I would check in and see what everyone was saying, just see if anyone was talking crap about me behind my back, obviously. <laughs> That's really, uh, but yeah, I barely kept up with the news outside of notifications that would pop on my phone. Um, so I saw everything that went up on MMA fighting. But other than that, no, I tried to I tried to stay out of it. And even even when to say if people go to my Twitter, they can see for a whole week I did not retweet or comment on anything MMA related. Just threw up random pictures uh, from my trip. So um, yeah, it's nice to you know that's a good question because we we are more. I like to think Mike that we are a little more than just our our MMA selves. Agreed. You're up. All right. Uh, Stalin Mastengill, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, wants to know. Uh, my question for you and Mike is whose bold prediction is most likely to come true as of now? I feel like you mentioned this recently. I remember you guys did a prediction show back in the beginning of the year. I want to see where you guys currently stood. Love the content so much. Um, so I think we did. Did we did one bold prediction each or something? Yes. Do you remember? I had to go back. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what mine was. I thought you mentioned. Re okay. Or I thought it was something for you like you predicted someone who would like be champion. Maybe it wasn't you. I thought you said in a show recently that like something happened that like really helped your one of your predictions. But I apparently wrote uh, Hamza Shamayev will lose and not to Kamara Usman. So this could still come true. One, it could be to Nate Diaz. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I, I, I laugh, but I mean, really, he could lose to Nate Diaz. You'd say, man, you really just don't know what's going to happen. I know he's I can't remember what the odds were when that came out. I'm sure he's a 10, 10 to one or something favorite. But um, and also he could. I mean, hey, maybe he fights Leon Edwards and loses. That's possible too. You know, that, so my prediction is still in play. How close is it to coming true? Eh, I don't know if I'd say it's super close to coming true. 
Uh, but it is very much in play. And and actually more likely now, I would say, uh, that Usman no longer has the title. So technically, I'm, I'm, I'm still in there somewhere. I have to go back and listen to that. I'm going to have to listen to it anyways because I'm going to have to take notes from when we do our oh, yeah, yeah. wrap-up show. But I usually, like, I'll record it and then I don't listen to it again until, like, okay. a week before we do it just so I get, it's fresh in my mind. And I... Like, because I don't go back and listen to like a lot of the stuff I do, but I listen to that start to finish, and I'm just like, "Oh, you're really smart. Oh, what an idiot!" And just go through everything. Um, we also had some, sure some mid year. We also had some mid year predictions. I'll go through these really quickly. Uh, these were done by myself, Stephen Morocco, Dan Martin, and Jed Jed Mashu. Uh, Damon Francis Ngannou resigns with the UFC. Says this was mid. This was just honestly only a couple months ago. Uh, Francis Ngannou resigns UFC, sets up a special rules fight against Tyson Fury. Uh, technically still in play, I guess. It seems unlikely as we're, as the time ticks away, but we got three months left in 2022. Uh, I said Bellator would hold an event with open scoring. I they're holding less events now, so that seems less likely. Uh, Jed Valentina Shevchenko wins the UFC bantamweight title. Not looking she's, great. She, she's not going to fight for that before the end of the year. No, I think if she fights, she's fighting at 125. And then this is pretty much dead. Uh, Steven said Nick Diaz fights Kamara Usman, and then uh, who then holds up for a new contract uh, that includes boxing. I don't think Usman has any interest in that right now. He wants to get back. He wants to rest. He wants to get back his title. So uh, we might, we may have, uh, and these were just two months ago. So we may have uh, already gone over four on those. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to this question. This is from Josh. Uh, MMA question. Who, in your opinion, is the actual number two promotion behind the UFC? Many claim to have that spot, Bellator, PFL, etc. But who actually has it? Is it Bellator, PFL one? Does BKFC have a claim? Wow, BKFC has a great claim as far as social media goes. I mean, they just really know how to create buzzy fights and but the Mike Perry MVP thing—that was a stroke of brilliance. And I, I hate Mike Perry. People know this. I, I do not like Mike Perry. Uh, and it's not just a personal thing. I mean, you know, there's all these outside of the cage issues he's had. So I, I characterize him. I'm not a fan of the man. Let, 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 me be, let me be completely honest about that. But I will say, putting together a fight with him, MVP, you know, just taking that chance, going to Bellator and going to MVP and saying, hey, would you guys mind if we if we borrow this guy who's still under contract with you to do a, a bare knuckle fight? It's beneficial for everyone. And it worked out. I mean, I wasn't, again, I wasn't around the weekend, Mike. I don't know what kind of traffic it did, but I assume probably did decent. Did really probably, well. Probably, yeah, probably popped off a bit. Way better than uh, PFL. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. It looked like it was an eventful fight, so they got, it wasn't like, it wasn't a dud, you know, it looked like it was an eventful fight. Um, so, social media-wise, man, if they held more, actually, they hold probably about as many events as Bellator now, per year. I, w- I wouldn't say BKFC. I got to think about this. Let me have a minute. Let me have a minute, Mike. What is your what is your uh, pick for the quote unquote official number two promotion? It's Bellator. I, still. I don't, yeah, it's still Bellator. PFL, like PFL, just when I think they might oh, get closer, they shoot themselves in the foot. And they could say whatever they want, but they they screwed over a few fighters with this. Let's go do an international playoff system. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, it's so stupid. It makes no sense. It's just, it's just, I understand like you're going to that market and you're creating like a PFL Europe or whatever. And like, you want to have a presence there, but not in the playoffs. Come on. Like you just hold it like an end of the year event there. Like have a December card there and just put all those fighters on. It's just, it's so silly. It's so silly. And I just think what Bellator's doing with the Grand Prix and they, I just, I don't know. They have Kayla Harrison, 
and they have some other fighters. But if we're looking like division for division, fighter for fighter, Bellator's roster, I think, is better and deeper. Like PFL has some names, but Bellator has some names too. And they have the opportunity to create some new stars. It's a like Bellator to me is number two, but they're so far number two away from the UFC. Like they used to have, they, I mean, they were never really close, but at least they were like, hmm. Maybe like in 10 years, Bellator could get there. But now I feel like they can't. I don't feel like anybody can. But to me, it's still Bellator. PFL just needs to be consistent and figure this thing out. Their broadcasts are still 800 hours long. It's just so rough. And like one is okay. Like they have some names. And they have like by the time this drops, Adrian Marias versus DJ2 is going to be over. But that's like a really mm-hmm. interesting fight. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like 100%. In terms of interest and site traffic, like if Bellator, PFL1, and BKFC all had an event on the same day, BKFC traffic is going to quadruple whoever the second best is. That's it's true. not even close. But Bellator, but BKFC, I just have so many questions. I, I don't know how this Triller thing is going to play out because you've seen all these stories about Triller just losing so much money hand over fist. So I'm not sure how the business aspect works, but to me, it's probably Bellator, but... I'm not like, it's like which cousin you, like you, you fight with, like your family, like all hates each other. And like you and your cousins don't get along. It's like, which cousin do you dislike more or like the best, but you don't really like any of them, I guess. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird comparison, but none of them, like these are, this is minor league stuff compared to the UFC. Like the UFC is just so far ahead of everybody, but yeah, I think Bellator is number two. Mike, are, are you and your extended family okay? Is there are there some? No, we're good. We're wanna... good. Okay, we're I good. I'm just I, I don't know why that popped into my okay. mind, but here we are. Sorry. But I, it's Bellator I, for me. You, you really raised a good point with the the BKFC thing. They all held an event the same day. We definitely know what it would look like traffic wise, uh, but we should we should say social media traffic and attention does not always necessarily translate into real dollars. So yeah, at real dollars, real viewership. So that is a bit more difficult to track. Um, so I do wonder, yeah, as far as just like how how successful they are from a financial standpoint, how do they stack up to a PFL, to a um, Bellator, even even to a one championship, though, if anyone has kept up with um, a lot of the writing about one championship and how it's uh, the investors surrounding it and things like that. There's still there's some definitely some question marks there, too. Um, but it's still it's still kind of tempting, like to call one number two. They ha- definitely have some sort of foothold in Asia. There's no question. Uh, some of it, uh, the story is likely exaggerated for sure. You know, there's always been jokes about, oh, how many billions and billions of viewers watch all their events. And okay, we know it's it's a joke. We get it. Um, but there is some foothold there. There is some foothold there. So if someone wants to make the case that one, um, and it, this is timely this weekend, they're holding two events. So this is definitely the time that they could, someone can make an argument for it, uh, that they are the number two in the world. I, I'd entertain it. But as you said, as you said with Bellator, it's still a distant number two. Even if you want to call one the number two motion, it, it is distant to the UFC. The UFC is such a Goliath, not just in North America, but all over the world. Um, it's really hard to 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 even consider anything being close to them. So it's like number two, really number two, three, four promotions, whatever order you want to put them in, probably clustered together pretty tightly. Yeah, one's in a weird spot where you can make the argument you just put out there, but you could also make a weird compelling case that KSW is better than one as well, because they're so massive in that area and no one talks about them. Like they're starting to get more of a global presence in North America because people are starting to like figure out that their shows are awesome. And 
yeah, but it's Bellator for me and that's it. But no one's really doing much to separate themselves really. So this is, it's actually a really good question right now where like four years ago, it probably wasn't a really good question. Mm -hmm. The Bellator champion series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I'm next. Okay, I'll go to Instagram for a second here. This is from at Tim Hustle the Great. Uh, uh, all right, they said, uh, this is for you and Mike. Is there a fighter you had high hopes for but didn't meet expectations? The example they gave is uh, George Sotaropoulos, a guy who uh, I think once had like a six or seven fight win streak to start his UFC career. Or, or after he, he was like the runner-up runner in the Ultimate Fighter? No, he bowed out in like the second round. Um, from the otherwise uh, horrible, I think, sixth season of the Ultimate Fighter, I want to say. Uh, he did not. Yeah, he didn't. I don't think he even made the finals. But um, yeah, once he made it to the UFC, I think he won his first six or seven fights and then lost a couple. And then I think was like done. So that's a good example. Um, Mike, I don't know if there's any name that immediately jumps to your mind. Hmm. Justin Lawrence, I think might be yeah, one. Another Ultimate Fighter guy. I thought he was like when I watched him fight the Ultimate Fighter, I was like, this dude is going to be oh. a murderer. And by the time he got to the UFC, it didn't really turn out that great. But the one I think that always kind of stands out, like the high hopes we had for this guy and it just never happened, Brandon Thatch. Oh, man. I think that's the, I think that's the correct answer. He lost to Hendo. And who else he lose to? I'm looking, I'm looking at it now. He lost a lot down the stretch. But I remember like he won. He, he got on a little bit of a run and then it just like just stopped. Yeah. It just stopped. And he hasn't fought what? In five since his last fight. Yeah. So he beat... Came into the UFC, won his first two fights, finished them quickly, and yeah, then he yeah, lost. Yeah. And then he got stopped by Benson Henderson, Gunnar Nelson, uh, Bahadur Azda, and Nico Price. Four finish losses in a row, and he never fought again. All submissions, four yep. straight submissions. <laughs> oh, wow! Man. One yep. of them was a one of them was a main event. That's right. He headlined with the, the Benson Henderson fight was the main event. I don't what. Broomfield, Colorado, February 14th, 2015. Henderson versus Thatch. Main wow. event on, on Fox Sports 1. See? That's what happens. And we've seen just weird, crazy bookings that may have thwarted careers. Like I, the Johnny Walker, Corey Anderson one always comes to mind. Uh, this one was another one, and he just never recovered from that loss. It's just crazy. I, but I think that might be that, – that's got to be my pick. I would not have believed you if you had told me Brandon Thatch main evented a UFC card. Crazy. Would not right? have would not have believed you. I don't I remember the fight. I I distinctly remember the fight. Um I guess I didn't remember it going to the fourth round. So I went to the fourth round. Uh, so obviously it had to be a main event. Um I did not remember. I thought it was like second round or something that then Henderson. I remember him being so much bigger than Henderson. I mean that was like he was he was huge. Uh, Brandon Thatch was a huge uh was welterweight. Yeah. And um were they was this fight at welterweight? Well, how did this fight happen? We've gone down a real rabbit hole here, but I'm <laughs> yeah. It was at welterweight. Why? Why was I don't it? know. 
I think Benson was maybe thinking about it, and that's just what happened. I don't know. What a bizarre, yeah, what a bizarre thing. Anyway, yeah, I remember he was he was like twice. Uh, people you can find that in Fight Pass. He's like he was like twice Henderson's size, but once uh, once Bendo got the wrestling going, um, yeah, just submitted him. Uh, that's a really good one. I totally forgot about Brandon Thatch. My pick. Well, first of all, you can run through any number of Ultimate Fighter winners. Um, I had so much faith in the show for the longest time. Uh, Mac Danzig, who did win season six, I thought was any good. And he was like solid, but he was clearly just like so much better than everyone in that house that it skewed my opinion of what he would do in the UFC. Uh, F. Brian Escudero, Diego Brandau, and uh, of course, uh, Chris Holdsworth, who uh, we'll never know. One of the great yeah. questions, you know, just uh, got injured in training, uh, the concussion, and it's never gone away. And he just uh, is pr- pretty much retired. So, But I'll throw a name out for you, Mike. Do you remember Paul Sass? Oh my God! Do you remember I haven't heard Sass- that name in so long. The Sassangle, Sassang- <laughs> Sassangle, the Sassangle. Just submitting people left and right to start his UFC career. Uh, again, I had to look. He he lost two fights. He lost to Matt Weinman and uh, Danny Castillo. Fought one time for Bellator after in 2013, and just never fought again. Retired 14 and two. He won his lone Bellator fight. Retired off a win. I, I don't know if he's. Re- I guess he's retired. There was never any official announcement. And I just found out. I, I thought he was older. He just turned thirty-four. He was he was in his early twenties when he debuted with the UFC. He just turned thirty-four in August, the first week of August. So he's out there somewhere, probably in decent health, or or, or not. Maybe that's why he retired. And I just thought he was so unique. I thought a guy who had a anybody who had a signature move. In MMA, you're immediately gonna like jump to my like peak my interest, like just jump to the top of my oh I gotta could can this person ride this one move all the way to like a top five ranking all the way to a title, and we just really never got the chance to find out. So he retired in 2013. He was only 25, if I'm doing my math correctly. The last time he fought was 25. I don't know if it was an injury. I don't know if maybe he wasn't. Maybe he went to do something to make more money. I may have to find Paul Sass and interview him because I am so curious of what happened to this guy now. And I really thought he'd be um, he'd be something. But uh, whatever he's doing, you know, what, Paul Sass, I hope you're having a good time and I hope you're happy. Because, um, yeah, just really strange. He's only 34 years old. He just turned 34. Wow. That's crazy. That's a good that's a, that's a great name drop. Wow. You could also throw like I mean, this is this is a guy who lived up to his potential in Bellator. Didn't in the UFC. Will Brooks is an interesting one. Right. Um. You yeah. can even throw Uriah Hall into that conversation. You could. They, and, and this is a guy the UFC gave a lot of opportunities to. And sometimes he came through. Other times he didn't. So that's a guy who probably didn't live up to the expectations either. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I think Thatch and Sass are great picks. Yeah. Let's see. Sammy. Yes, that's who it is. Sammy. Big fan of the show. Really enjoy getting an almost immediate matchmaking perspective right after the stove gets turned off. That's great. My question is a little out of the box, but because you said ask anything, my curiosity peaked. I appreciate how honest and normal you all are during your shows. You respect and appreciate the people who bring positivity and intelligence to the table, but you're also not afraid to call out the trolls or the folks who are negative. I'm curious, what are some of your triggers that get you upset when it comes to the small group of MMA fans whose sole purpose is to try to turn a good time into a bad time? Uh, Mike, you mentioned three earlier this week on uh, on Heck of a Morning. Uh, yes. <laughs> fluke. Fluke. That Leon Edwards head kick. What a fluke. What it's a- not a fluke. <laughs> fluke, robbery, and yeah, fluke, clickbait. robbery, clickbait. And then yeah. you added one. Can to the crusher. mix as well. I don't. I don't love can crusher slash nitpicking people's resume. Like if you're doing like a goat debate, if you're doing like oh who's the greatest of all time and like that kind of thing, or or doing ranking, then yeah, I understand. But if you're just like 
you're trying to discredit some fighter because like yeah this it's like you know uh Habib was pretty good but you know look at this like oh he uh whatever this win over like listen Tibau and this win over you know uh, uh I don't know this guy is like it doesn't mean that much this person would have lost this person anybody could have beaten this guy it's like you could do that with anyone's resume anyway so we touched upon that um what other triggers you got, Mike? Besides, besides just certain words. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing that that kind of grinded my gears. It's stupid, but because I never really go and look at comments on interviews and stuff, but for some reason the Taylor Starling interview had a lot of comments, and I'm like, well, okay, this is cool. Like, what are the comments about? And the one thing that I saw that like drove me crazy is like Mike Heck, because we talked about her having a fan site, like one of those exclusive fan sites, and people kept saying. They, they were timestamping me asking her the question. And they're like, look at Mike Heck, who has no idea what only, OnlyFans is. He's trying to pretend like he has no idea what OnlyFans is. First of all, of course, no shit I know what OnlyFans is. And it's not because I like subscribe to people's pages, but because it's so prevalent in the MMA world. I also, before interviews, like I don't like write questions down, but I do a little research. Like I looked up. Like if this was an OnlyFans site or not, and it wasn't. So I didn't know how to categorize it. In fact, I have a receipt of me DMing my manager saying, how should I headline this? Because it's like an OnlyFans, but it's not an OnlyFans. And we came up with fan site. That's what we went with. So that's why it's titled that way. That's why I asked it in that way, because it's not OnlyFans. It's like it, but it's not the same thing. And people are just like, oh, Mike has no idea about it. Of course I know what OnlyFans is. I know Beck Rawlings made a great business with it. And I know Paige Van Zandt makes great money with those kinds of sites. And I know other fighters have done the same as well. Of course I know what it is, but it's not the same. And that's why I looked it up and realized it wasn't OnlyFans. And I asked, like, how should I phrase this? Because I'm not really into that world that much. I, of course, know what OnlyFans Freaking Kevin Holland is an OnlyFans, for Christ's sake. But that that I don't know why that got me. I was just like, I'm not pretending anything. This is just... How, like, I don't want to misrepresent her site either. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, no, that, that kind of annoyed me. No, and you have to be accurate. Uh, OnlyFans is to these kind of new personalized fan sites that have popped up as, like, Kleenex is to tissues. Like, yeah, there are other Pepsi. tissue brands, but you say Kleenex, yeah. It's the UFC. Uh, what was the other example? Yeah, UFC is to MMA. People will say, will say UFC, but we know there's dozens and dozens of MMA organizations out there. Um, so just like, yes, OnlyFans is the biggest name, and that's kind of what we use synonymous with these um, this boom of personalized fan sites that has come up. But there are literally all these now, you know, after OnlyFans popped off, all these other kind of, um, you know, uh, fan site hosts that came up that serve a very similar purpose, that look very similar um, as far as, I, I think, as far as like the kind of layout, the information, I'm pretty sure they look the same. Um, and I'll also so, yeah. say to add to this, thing. I'll say that to this, people who chastise fighters for going that route, shame on you. Because oh. even Taylor, her response to it all is like, I used to work like th three jobs and try to train and try to fit in time for my kids. This is lucrative and I don't have to do that. And I can spend more time with my family and pay my bills and feed my children. And I can train full time. I could focus on MMA full time because I don't have to work three jobs and work seven days a week. So good for her. And the big thing, her purpose for this whole thing Sure, the content can be a little racy at times, and she admits that. But the main purpose of the site is because there's a lot of fans that like don't go and subscribe to it to look at her in scantily clad outfits. They want to have a personal connection with her. They want to ask her questions and 
get a response from her. When If you DM her on social media, she probably has a million of them and can't get to them all. This one, she can have more of a personal relationship with her fans. And I even said, like, if you start, if you win the belts and you start making this the, the Paige Van Zant money, are you going to keep doing it? And she said, yeah, but mostly because I could talk to the fans because they're the ones that are part of the journey and they're the ones that support my journey because without them, I would have to get another job and they're paying money to support me and my goal to become a world champion and become a star. So she wants to give back to them and that's it. She said she would tone it down a little bit, but it's not easy. Like people think if you become a professional fighter on an organization that people can watch, like you're just rich. It's not true. We talk about fighter pay all the time and it's especially in like BKFC where they're just trying to get off the ground. Like they're big stars, make big money, but the ones that are on the come up aren't making big money. So they have to find a way to supplement their income and, but still train and be successful in the ring. So I, I have so much respect for her for doing what she's doing. Yeah. Listen, one of my life mottos, a man or woman has got to eat. That's it. That's what I say. If you want a simple explanation for why someone does something that's kind of like, Oh, why are they doing that? Like, why are they doing that as a job or doing that for work or doing that? It's like a man's got to eat or a woman's got to eat. However you want to put it. Yeah. Um, again, and as long as what you're doing is not, it's not hurting anybody. Then, then what's the harm in it? It's not hurting. It's not hurting yourself. It's not hurting anybody else. Why? Why? Why would? Why do we judge? Why do we care? So yeah, more power to uh, Taylor Starling and anyone else finding uh, other methods to supplement their income. Go for it and just do, do what you got to do. All right, what you got? Oh right, uh, Tom Futcher. Tom Futcher wants to know. Question: Does a possible Wembley card? Okay, okay, I got to phrase it. So if they have a card in Wembley uh, anytime soon. Oh no! Before the year, okay. Does a possible Wembley card increase the chance of uh, Molly McCann or Arnold Allen getting a title fight on the co-main if either can get a win before the year ends? So if, so if McCann uh, McCann's uh, beats like Aaron Blanchfield, Arnold Allen not booked, I don't think, right? No. Okay. If Arnold Allen gets a big fight and gets a win, do you think uh, that puts him in a position to get a title fight if, if the UFC is planning to go to Wembley before the end of the year? Before the end of the year? Before the end of the year. Well, they're not going to go before the end of the year. If that, if yeah, they go probably. to Wembley. Oh, sorry. You know what? No, no, no. This yeah. question. I'm sorry. This question. Sorry. It's the. It's it's a big jumble of words. Tom. Okay. Tom, so I'm, if they win before the end of the if year. They the okay. Of the year, and then there's a Wembley card sometime in the future. Yes. Does it increase the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if either of them gets a big win before the end of the year. Molly. I don't think. I, I think the answer is no to both. But Molly has a better chance than Arnold Allen because yes. of. Volkanovski potentially moving up to 155. Now, could they yeah. do some sort of interim title thing, perhaps? But yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Arnold's got to get a win over a. a Calvin Cater's been calling for Al, Arnold Allen for like 18 months now. I feel like that's the perfect fight to make for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. So, and for some reason they just haven't put it together, mostly from the from the Arnold side because of the injuries that he sustained over the last couple of years. But I mean, just if you if. Cater's willing to wait till early next year. Just do Arnold versus Cater on that card. Like, oh, Cater's yeah, not going to yeah. say no to going to freaking London. He he fought Zabit in Russia, for God's sake. <laughs> of course he'll go to London and fight Arnold Allen at Wembley Stadium. Uh, yeah, listen, this is a hard yes for me, though. Uh, you're right. Not so much maybe the Arnold Allen side. If Molly McCann beats Aaron Blanchfield and uh, takes away some of that hype surrounding against uh, a young lady who we all think will compete, will at least compete for a UFC title someday, if not win it, um... If Molly can take that, can get a convincing win against her and take that steam, she will get a title fight against Valentina Shevchenko in Wembley. I, I, I am with Tom. You, this is a you will get a special ought no point if this happens. I am with you on this one. 
Um, I like the idea. I would love to see it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely behind the, um, I'm definitely on the, on the Molly McCann bandwagon. And um, I think she has a very good, I actually think she has a very good chance of beating Aaron Blanchfield. So uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm down for it. I, Can, I think h- highly likely. Wow. Could you imagine if Man and Fioro won her reaction to that booking or Tyler Santos won or, or Tyler, San, Tyler Santos's reaction to that booking? If Molly McCann just jumped up like 13 spots to fight for the belt, like I would definitely see the UFC doing it. Um, yeah, maybe there's a chance there. I, I, I don't know. What I think are rankings? Uh, Besides yeah. the global rankings, what are rankings really? I mean, who else is there? For, I mean, there's really nobody immediate for Valentina, but like if Manafiora goes out there and just head kick KOs Caitlin Chukagan, it's got to be hard to ignore that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like even in Wembley, like. It doesn't matter. Like Molly can fight anybody, this is and true. it's okay. She can just be on the card. Yeah, just have her fight anybody. Title fight though would be pretty, uh, pretty exciting. But it's true though. Do you want to see her? You're right. Get, get a, an, an, a winnable fight in Wembley, and then send the crowd. Into... Okay, and, and really, win or lose against Aaron Blanchfield, you should be putting Molly McCown on a Wembley card anyway. Of course. Anyways. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, right? If anything, it might be better to have that than have her getting uh, 50 40 forward by uh, by Shevchenko. Yeah. <laughs> and even if in, same with Patty, if he fights December in December and loses, like you still throw him on that card and it doesn't yeah. matter. It's, yeah. it's, it's That's all good. good. good oh, I love this question. AK. I think you will as well. This is from Rebecca guys. I love all the programs almost equally, but I have to say, I really love the heated debates that happen on the ranking shows. My question yeah. is simple. Since Leon Edwards knocked out Kamar Usman. And as you have said on heck of a morning, it wasn't a fluke. Does that mean Leon Edwards will be ranked higher than Kamara Usman in your welterweight rankings and pound for pound rankings? Wow. Well, one part of that's easy to answer. I mean, yeah, he's definitely ahead of him in the welterweight rankings. I mean, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no reason. Leon is on what a, a, a ten fight? What is it? His Eleven un- fight unbeaten. Streak. Eleven fight unbeaten. And if you're like me, you don't count no. I, I just I don't count no contests because there are no contests. I so technically to me, he's on a ten fight win streak. Like that's how I view it. Um, but both, I mean, both sound impressive. Eleven fight unbeaten, ten fight win streak, however you want to put it. Um, I think it'd be a bit silly to say he's only on a two fight win streak. I just don't think that's true. So I say ten fight win streak, uh, and he was only behind Usman. So he beat the only guy who had a better streak than him. Clearly, he'll be number one. Um, and Edwards obviously hasn't been as active, but there's some there's some good wins on there. Uh, RDA, I think the Nate Diaz win was fine. I know it's not like an amazing win. Um, yeah, he doesn't have the strength of resume of Kamaru. That's fine. Pound for pound will be interesting. I think people know uh, our our most recent pound for pound rankings had already had Volkanovski number one. Yep. Even though Usman received the most first place votes, he had four first place votes out of our eight panelists. Uh, the accumulated counting second place votes and other top, number three, number four, all those votes, counting all those, uh, Volkanovski ended up on top, and he also had two first place votes. So. Sorry, I'm trying to find our ranking. <sighs> Will Edwards be higher than him pound for pound? Personally, for me, yes. I will probably drop Usman down a couple of spots. I'm gonna have to take a look at my how my rankings are laid out now, and then uh, and then give Edwards a spot. And really, now, when you look at Edwards' resume again, just how how successful he's been since that first Usman fight, he probably should have been ranked anyway. He probably should have been ranked anyway. So. Uh, so he should have been somewhere in the top 20, probably undervalued him. And now, at least in my rankings, he's going to make a huge jump from unranked to probably somewhere at least in the top six. 
Yeah, but I, I have not done the ranking yet. But that's a that's a great question. That is a great question. Um, yeah, I think Usman will probably probably drop in the welterweight rankings. Edwards will be one. I still think I'm gonna have Usman above Leon pound for pound. By like, but they're gonna be like right next to each other. Be like five, six, one way or the other. So I haven't decided yet, but it's a great question. Uh, sorry, I'm just bringing up my having some. There we go. So in our rankings right now, I believe Usman, yeah, Usman number two, Volkanovski number one. So Usman is currently ahead of Israel Adesanya. I think. Oh gosh, I think so. That means I think I'll drop Usman below him. Charles Oliveira. I think I'll drop Usman below him. And this is where it gets tricky. Francis Ngannou. I don't know if I can drop Usman below him. But that means I I will have to raise Leon all the way up to the number five spot. That sounds so strange. Isn't that crazy? Unranked number five, baby. Yeah. And again, we should say everyone's definition of pound for pound can be very different. It can be, do you, you know, the classic of... How would these fighters fare against one another if they're if you know if they were somehow in the same weight class but had the same skill set, which is probably why Volkanovski is doing so well right now. Everyone kind of sees him and like, man, imagine a heavyweight version of him, light heavyweight version, middleweight version, be amazing, right? So that's points to him. Some people consider it uh, strength of re- overall strength of resume, you know what I mean? Which is what Usman has. Why is it you know he's he's been up there. W- winning streaks go a long way. Usman was unbeatable, fifteen and zero before uh, Saturday night. And, uh, you know, as great as Leon Edwards' resume is, it definitely is not as strong as Usman. So I think pound for pound, generally people view it less head-to-head wise. Um, and if you beat someone, you don't necessarily take their spot. I traditionally have given fighters their spot. But this is this is a weird case. Again, we've really never it had is. an upset. We've really never had an upset like this before. This is so. Bisbing Rockhold-esque in a way, in, in some ways. Because it just was so... Not saying Leon winning was improbable, but just the moment itself is just one of those iconic moments. And just the way the fight went, like, I still have questions if Leon's the better fighter. He was the better yeah, fighter. Like, he, yeah. he was a better fighter in that moment, landed the perfect shot, won the fight. But you've even seen the opening betting. Usman's a minus 350 favorite mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in the rematch, which is higher than he was before when the line closed at UFC 278 before they fought. So... That's where the bet. I mean, the the sharps out there, so to speak, the 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 line mate, the odds makers, think Guzman's going to go out there and and just get the job done this time. But we'll see. That's why the fight's so interesting. That's a good question. God, because because the people really delivered with these these questions. I gotta say, yeah, there's um, some there's some there's some good ones. Now that I'm looking at mine. All right, go here's ahead. A, here, here's a fun one. This is from uh, Helios on Twitter. Hey, with uh, Taito Ivasa fighting next week, UFC Paris, uh, a man who's made an absolute killing for himself with his beer. Merch, the whole Shri Vasa gimmick. What other fighter do you think should create their own product, and what should they sell? Uh, wow, that's a great question. Yeah, I I read this ahead of time, and I still kind of struggled, so I don't really have a great answer. I don't know if you have something that's. Um, it's hard in today's UFC to like create a gimmick for yourself, right? And, and some people already have like Patty Pimblet. He's already got his own merchandise and everything. So that's you know obviously Nate Diaz has his own. Oh, they've been and Sean O'Malley the, doing the the, the Diaz, thing. Oh, Sean O'Malley is an, is an, is an amazing job at uh, monetizing his whole brand and his his persona. Yeah, the Diaz brothers, Diaz Army has been strong, going strong for years, many, 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 many years. Um, so yeah, it'd have to be someone like a little a little lesser known, I guess, who hasn't quite capitalized on their buzz. Um. Like Mazadal's into a bunch of stuff. I would like, you know, the I don't know why this popped into my mind, but I think it would be hilarious. Uh, 
Valentina Shevchenko creating a line of martial arts weapons. Oh. Nunchucks, swords, <gasps> like all that stuff. Yeah, maybe some like exotic sold, ones we don't know about. Yeah. yeah, just like her own line, her own designs. Something tells me like in her downtime when she's bored, she just draws a bunch of like crazy martial arts weapons that haven't been made but could be designed and created someday. So there you go. I, that's the one I'm going with. The Valentina Shevchenko brand of of uh, luxury luxury <laughs> weaponry. Bullet, yeah, bullet luxury Exo- weaponry. Yeah, this is top. Cl- this is top class like weaponry. This isn't like something you just go. Oh, you go to the like hobby store and like oh I want to I want to but no 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 these are these are like rare, you know lim- limited edition. Ten of each. Uh, I, yeah, you <laughs> you are classy if you own one of these weapons. <laughs> Uh, I, I think I settled on Ryan Hall. Price is an excuse to talk about Ryan Hall. I feel like his whole 50-50 gimmick, he's what? He's the wizard. Um, he's certainly one of the most unique personalities in MMA, um, both outside and inside the cage. There's just nobody like him. Um, he's kind of got big ears. Maybe you could do something with that. I, I just feel like they're – sorry, sorry, Ryan Hall, but I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to – I'm just spitballing here. This is your marketing team doing some some spitballing. And – the the 50-50 thing, I really think there's something that could be done there. So I don't know if he has released his own uh, brand of instructional videos yet. I'm sure he's done a lot of teaching, but I think if he could do his own brand of instructional videos, something like that, uh, I think it could be. There's a lot of potential there. So I am I am hoping that the goat uh, can capitalize on his excellence beyond just the fact that he is you know undefeated in MMA and and the greatest fighter I've ever seen. I think there's I think he is missing uh, some dollars there. So I'll, I'll say Ryan Hall, but I'm sure there's better answers than that. I like it. Uh, let's see. Shane, what has been your favorite event to cover on location, and what was your least favorite? Hmm. Oh, you're asking? I mean, listen, I've covered very few. I've been to, I can, I've been to maybe a handful of, uh, handful of events. Um, but uh, probably the first one I ever got to do for MMA fighting was crazy because I went to Detroit. This was for UFC. I'm not Jose Young, so I have to look these things out because my memory is terrible. This was for UFC. Uh, where are we? Uh, 218. Hmm. This was the second Jose Aldo fight. Um, so it was my first event with with MMA. I'd been to a couple events before when I was working with the Score, but this time, this is when this was a crazy day for me, Mike, because I I got to work directly with Ariel. Uh, Air Hawani, who up to that point I kind of knew, but had never, you know, had never really worked with directly. So that was mind blowing. Just as mind blowing, getting to work for the first time with E. Casey Lydon and Esther Lin. I mean, my God, uh, imagine being those. Be, imagine being me, still pretty new to the industry, and getting to work with uh, Esther, Casey, Ariel. It was crazy, um, and it was really fun. And, and look, Max Holloway fought Francis Ngannou, nearly knocked Alistair Overeem's head off. Uh, the Little Caesars Arena. I don't know how recently it had been renovated, but it felt very fresh and new. The arena was just beautiful. The area around it was beautiful. Um, so yeah, great. It was a great, great time. So uh, yeah, my first and uh, covered a few in Canada since, but um, it's gonna be a while before before that happens again. I think so. Um, yeah, good times at uh, UFC 218. You've got a much longer list. Yeah. Um, favorite event to cover on location. I, I think. It's all happened in the last like year and a half, I think. Favorite event to cover on location was BKFC nineteen. That was oh. the Paige Van Zandt Rachel Ostevich card. That was just so much fun. I like, know, it was just it yeah, was insanity the whole week. But the the BKFC people were great. The access was spectacular. Um, they treated us really really well, and just everything that happened from 
the media day to or the press conference, the weigh-ins to the actual fights, people jumping in the ring, attacking Blueface and everything <laughs> about it. It was just like anywhere you turned, like Hector Lombard and Tyron Woodley almost getting fights in the crowd. Like it was just nuts. It was just insane. I will say 1B is probably July International Fight Week this year. Just doing the radio row stuff and just flying from the seat of my pants all week was just awesome. And I love that stuff. Least favorite. This oh, is, I know. This, this I know is an easy pick. Be. It's Jake Francis? Paul, Tired Woodley, too. It's not even close. <laughs> it's not even close. That was that a was, tough week. I tried. Wait. I did my best. I, I met some cool people that I never met before. And that was fun. Drake Riggs was there. So I got to hang out with him again for the first time, like in person for the first time since UFC 244. So, yeah, but definitely like in terms of like what I could get, the week itself, the fight between Paul and Woodley's horrible until the knockout, the build to it was just weird. Just everything about it was strange. And being, and most of the boxing media was not very fun to be around because they thought we were just like, we were just like outsiders and had no idea about combat sports. And they're just like, they're just way more aggressive than MMA media when it comes to like scrums and stuff. Like we're all getting the same stuff. Like I had to, I had to physically like push a guy to the right of me. Cause I was like, what are you doing? Like I'm trying to get a shot of like Woodley scrum and this dude's like hand and microphone continuously getting my shot. And I'm like, dude, you got to move. You got to move. And finally I like, I like took my hand and like pushed his arm down and I'm like, you have to stop. And he looked at me. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to get a shot. Like, don't like get your mic down a little bit. Like we're all trying to get the same thing here. I hate, hated that. I will say the Triller fight week for the what was the Anderson Silva Tito Ortiz, the Belfort Holyfield card was kind of tough. Just I thought it. that's what you're gonna say. I thought for sure you're gonna say Holyfield Belfort. It was a good week. Oh, okay. For the most part, like the fight broke my heart, but the okay. event itself was like really cool. Like getting to interview Evander Holyfield was oh, right. really cool. Although it was kind of frightening at the same time because that interview blew up some of the clips from it because he just didn't seem there. So that was a little scary, but the week was so refreshing because they moved the entire event from California to Florida. Oh yeah. in like a day, it was crazy. So the amount of media that was there, there was like a dozen people all week. And then like Oscar Willis showed up on the second to last day. So I got to like hang out with him a little bit. But it was it was great. Like the access was great. I got to do a one on one with Anderson Silva, even though it was like for five minutes. It was right after the the whole weigh in debacle with Tito. But it was it was cool. Like the the end was heartbreaking, but the rest of it was cool. But yeah, it's definitely Jake Paul tired Woodley. It's not even close. Okay, all right. Yeah, I don't really have a worst. I've I've enjoyed all my what the few times that I've I've been uh, been on site. So, <laughs> uh, go ahead. Oh yeah, right. Wait, that was a, that was a you question. That was a me question. Oh, okay. Eve, the hardcore casual, uh-huh. wants to know if you could make a. I'm sorry, my throat's about to go, but so if I cough, I apologize. If you could make a, for lack of a better term, a loser leaves town and tie your main card. We'll just pick. One. I don't know if we can do a main card. Uh, whether that be fighters who are who are or should be retiring, end of contract, or on a losing streak. Uh, which fights would you make? And I'll read one of their examples, um, and, and then I'll read the others after we give our choices. For example, like you know McGregor versus Nate Diaz three, you know loser, and then the loser has to is, is gone from the UFC. So, Mike, what 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 kind of what kind of uh, what kind of fight would you would you pick for that sort of thing? Wait, say say that one more time. I'm sorry. 
if you had to pick a loser, uh, Eve's the hardcore casual on Twitter is asking for a loser leaves town, like in a whole main card. I don't know if I have enough thoughts for a main card, oh, man. but w- what's a loser leaves town fight that you mean for whatever reason, whether it's because the guys are retiring or they've been trying to get out of their contracts or just, you know, it, it's, it just makes sense that whoever lost this fight would no longer be uh, in the UFC. Frankie Edgar versus Jose Aldo. Yeah. I think that's the best one. Yeah. Cause it's not heartbreaking. <clears throat> it's not heartbreaking. Like we know it's Frankie's last fight. He gets to do it in New York. I mean, yeah, I'll go with that one. That seems to be the that'd be the main event. Um, my throat's really gonna go. <laughs> it happens. Excuse dude. me. Eve Eve suggested uh, Cruz versus Cruz versus Edgar. I don't know if you would like that more or less than Aldo. Seeing Aldo and Edgar again. I I'm I'm down for it. I'd certainly be down for it. But I just feel like Aldo, especially with, and we don't know if this is true, but this is what Marab was saying on the MA Hour that Aldo said that essentially that was his last fight, but we don't know that for sure. I just feel like with Aldo being completely out of the title picture at this point, it just makes sense. I don't know how much time Aldo has left. Maybe he has like a fight or two. Cruz, I could see fighting like six more times just because he's a competitor and I just don't think he wants to slow down really. So yeah, I'll go with that one. But both of those are fine. Something with Edgar involved against a cruiser and Aldo mix and match. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, Eve also suggested if Rockhold fights again, you do the, you do the Weidman rematch. Yep. I agree. That makes like a lot that of sense. Uh, and Nick Diaz versus Damian. What's up? Damian Maya. What's up with Damian Maya? He's, I think he's from what I understand. And I, I don't know this. I don't want to look it up right now, but from, I think he's, his UFC contract is done. But he wants right, one right. more fight in the UFC. So the UFC would have to bring back for a one fight deal. So he's kind of a free agent, but it doesn't sound like he wants to fight for another an MMA for another promotion. Yeah, he just wants one. If he's going to fight again, it would be in the UFC one more time. That would be, I mean, that'd be cool if they could bring him back for one more. Yeah, I think I could see him doing like grappling stuff for other promotions. But yeah, fighting, I think only, probably only UFC. Uh, I came up with, this might sound harsh, uh, and, but this is a fight we've wanted to talk. We, we've talked about many times and on to the next one. I want to see uh, Korean Zombie Edson Barbosa. Ooh. I say harsh. I say harsh because I don't know if Edson is anywhere close to being retired. It's not like he's super old, but he is 36 with a ton of mileage on him. Um, it's not exactly like he's been like tearing. He's I think two and four in his past six fights. He's lost. I know he's lost his last two, and I think he's two and four in his past six fights. Zombie definitely feels like he has one foot out the door. Um, after a, you know a, a pretty disheartening loss to Volkanovski, um, he really kind of was very frank about like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if this is the end for me. Like, I don't know, maybe maybe this is the last time. Like, it was just such it's so one sided. Um, so I think that makes a lot of sense too. And I just want to see him fight Barbosa, and I, I think Barbosa has to be close to retirement. Now that I've said that, he'll probably fight for another five years. But and uh, the other one was this, Mike. How do you feel about this? Listen, I want to see this fight again as much as anybody. But I think we can spice it up because these guys have fought three times already. What about Davison Figueredo, Brandon Reno, the the the, uh, the tetralogy this time? Yeah, the winner gets title. The loser, you get traded to one for Reiner de Ritter. How wow. about that? How about that? That's crazy. That's that? that's just a gimmick. That's not a loser leaves. <laughs> I mean, it technically is. Um, loser gets tra- yes, leaves town via trade. That's wild. Yeah. Tennessee's favorite fighter, RDR, the Dutch Knight. That's super pro wrestling right there. <laughs> uh, it's it's funny you mentioned Nick Diaz, AK. 
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Ron asks, Mike and AK, hello. I'll make this short and sweet. True or false, Nick Diaz will fight in the UFC before the end of 2023. Before the end of next year? Yes. Uh, true. Yeah. I'll say true. I'll say true. Because I think Rob, I don't know. Damn it. I don't know what you do. I, I, there's like very few people I want to see Nick Diaz fight. Yeah, it's not a long list. And like the ones I would want to see him fight, don't fight anymore. Like Carl's Condit, I would have I would have watched. What if Tony Ferguson beats Li Jing Liang, and we get him and Nick Diaz? I wouldn't hate that one if <laughs> if, if it's at one seventy. Yeah, I wouldn't love it, yeah. but I wouldn't hate it because I I think Tony would win that fight. But I don't know. I, I mean, that'd be fine. Like something like that. Him and Wonder Boy would be okay. Although I think Wonder Boy would win that fight. But those are the types of matchups. Like if you dare throw Nick Diaz in there with like Shamayev or something like that, I will throw my monitor across the room. You just got to be very picky. It's got to be a vet. Matt Brown would be okay. No. Like Michelle that's Pereira? No, 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 no Demolador. Absolutely not. No. Nope. Nope. Oh. Nope. Nope. Come on. Nope. Veteran fights. That's it. I will say I do think he will fight because I, I thought he was never going to fight again. After the Anderson Silva fight. Like, I never thought the Robbie Lawler fight would happen. Even after it was announced, I think up until the week of UFC 266, I was like, I was like, yeah, this is going to fall through. I was like, this is going to fall through. And I, and I kind of like almost did. They changed the weights that week, right? It was during the week that he was like, oh, there's a middleweight fight now or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, oh, here we go. Classic, like, you know, just Nick Diaz, like drama and like, it's, it's just going to fall through. But I mean, somehow it happened for better or for worse, whether it should have or not, it happened. Uh, and now that I've seen, now that I know, like, that he's still, like, I just didn't think he, wanted to fight again at least not for whatever he was getting paid but the fact that he stepped into the cage last year i mean less than a year ago now i'm convinced so so yeah normally i would have said any other year if that fight had not happened i would have said he's not fighting in 2021 2022 2023 you could ask me a million times i would have said i don't think nick diaz is fighting again but after hey listen he got back in the cage i think there is some part of him that still wants to fight and it could very likely happen in 2023 all right all right uh let's go non mma here for a second graham mccullough uh says says, i hope you enjoyed your trip to scotland thank you graham i did i have a question for both of you who do you see winning the nba title next season i'm a boston celtics fan barf uh as well as an mma fan from the uk so i don't have many early nights when the nba season is in full swing and mma never stops also uh so two questions here also who would benefit more from a kevin durant trade toronto or boston that's why he's coming to us i personally don't want kd as I think he's a Agreed. toxic asset at this point, and I'm happy with Boston's depth and talent. Many thanks for all you guys do. Hope you have both have a pleasant weekend. I mean, Boston's going to be in the finals. We're going to see Boston Golden State in the finals again, and I think Golden State. 
I would favor Golden State, but we'll see. We'll see what kind of moves they make at the deadline. Are the Celtics going to be healthy at that point of the season? Because they clearly weren't in the finals. I'm glad Kevin Durant didn't go to Boston. This just week, because, Listen, Kevin Durant's great. They're, they're Amazing. He's a great player. Amazing player. But he's, he's a liability. He's an injury liability. Yes. He can't stay healthy. And then there was a part of me that hoped he went to Golden State and they dealt the types of names that were being uh-huh. thrown out there. Because then I would have picked the Celtics. The Celtics would have been my pick to beat Golden State. So I think Golden State as is, they have the potential to win like multiple championships in a row. Yeah. The way that they're structured right now. And I think Kevin Durant would have crippled that a little bit, yeah. no matter how good he is. So well, and, yeah, I think we're going to have the same finals. I'm going to pick Golden State right now, but... Who knows? Maybe the Celtics make some big moves. Maybe they're super healthy all year and they have a run like they did at the end of last year, but are not really hurt throughout the entirety of it. Like they all, all the stars were essentially. So I think we're going to have the same exact finals. Yeah. And, and and the way the question was phrased is who would benefit more? I think clearly Toronto would benefit more. hundred percent. Like, I mean, Boston just made the finals. I don't know how much more you can improve other than winning the title. Right. So they have a finals level squad already. Toronto is not there yet. Um, I will say though, of course, I don't want him, and I would not want to trade Scotty Barnes for him. Obviously, that's what you know Brooklyn would want, as they should. I think they shouldn't trade Durant for anything less than Scotty Barnes. We love him in Toronto. We love the core we have. Um, so yes, but a, would like a, a Kevin Durant would make the team better immediately? Of course, of course. Yeah, they, they'd win more games this season than they did last season. They'd be uh, much closer to being a contender. But in the long run, would definitely hurt the team. So. So yeah, it would make Toronto better than he would Boston, but I think you heard from Mike and I. Neither of us is super crazy about blowing up our teams to to, to get this guy, a, a top fifteen, top twenty all time player. Uh, that's that's how strange this uh, the dynamics of this whole um, Kevin Durant saga is. Um, I will say though, Mike, I think, I, I, and I'm not just saying this because I hate Boston, the Boston Celtics, which I do. Uh, I think Milwaukee, if they were healthy would have made the finals last year, and I think they would have beaten Golden State. So I think a healthy Milwaukee team uh, beats everybody. Uh, I do, and I think Giannis will, because I think they have the best player in, in the world, and I think when you have the best player, as long as you give him a respectable and healthy supporting cast, you're probably going to make the finals. You're probably going to have a one-in-five chance of winning the NBA title. Um, they didn't have Middleton the whole playoffs. Uh, so I, I'll go with Milwaukee. Um, Milwaukee-Golden State, and I'll go with Milwaukee beating them. That's that's my pick. And I, I don't have I, I don't love either of these teams. Um, but yeah, and Boston's very likely too. They got to Brogdon, right? They got, they got Brogdon. I like, I like the, I like the Gallinaro move, like low risk, high reward potential there. Yeah, yeah, it's good playmaker, shot creator. Yeah, I yeah, like that. I like it. It's yeah, it's good. I just hate Boston, so I'm not gonna, you know, I can't agree with you. But um, <laughs> I, I will go, I will go Milwaukee over Golden State. Uh, from Mark, uh, Mike, I know you've talked in the past on a heck of a morning about being a pro wrestling fan back in the day. Are you and AK fans of the current pro wrestling product? Also, who are your favorite wrestlers of all? Who, who is each of your favorite wrestlers of all time? Oh, I mean, uh, you guys know I'm a huge fan. Uh, I just got tickets to uh, AEW's first show coming up in October. Uh, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage. I got tickets to both shows, so look up for me uh, on the screen. Hopefully, I'll be I'll be streaming along there. Yeah, a big AEW guy. Um, I haven't kept up with WWE as much. The product just doesn't like the way the product is produced doesn't interest me. Uh, and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff kind of like turned me off to it. I think as people saw now, what's going on with Vince McMahon? But I have heard, I have heard the show has gotten much better now that Triple H is back in charge, and I totally believe it. I just don't have. I watch a lot. I watch like so much wrestling. I watch a lot of wrestling as it is and MMA. 
so I just don't have time for WWE. But I have nothing like I don't tell people like, oh, you're you're watching the wrong product if you're watching WWE instead of AEW. It's like, no, it's whatever you have time for, right? So, uh, and the, some of the talents in WWE is just effing amazing. So I wish I had time to watch all this pro wrestling, but I've kind of just picked one company and I go with that. Um, and I watch you know occasional matches from WWE here and there when when I hear they're good. So, um, yeah. And what's the other question? All time favorite? Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Yeah, I mean, I'm a Stone Cold guy. I mean, Bret Hart, of course, Canadian, but I'm a Stone Cold guy. I love Stone Cold. Um, I love his, bro- which is weird because I'm normally like, I like technical, I like more high flying style. And he was like the opposite of that. So everything about him, I loved the Attitude Era. Um, I don't think we need to go back to it, but certainly as a young man growing up in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, loved the Attitude Era, ate it all up, loved Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, that whole, that whole deal. Um, but Stone Cold was my guy. Loved the promos, um, his he can be funny, serious, uh, and just man had it could have a great match with anyone. So, uh, big Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. It's the Rock for me. Yeah. I will say, and I feel confident in this. I mean, I may not be the first, but I think I was the first fan of the Rock pro wrestler ever. Ooh. I saw it coming from a mile away. Did I think he'd become the biggest movie star of all time? No. <laughs> no one. No one could have predicted that. But I knew he was going to be a star, and people made fun of me for it. And even when I go back home and like see some of my high school friends are like, every time I see the rock, I think of you because you were the only, you were the first one to be like, this dude's going to be the, be the guy. And it's just crazy to see like how big he got, like even when the rock, everyone's booing him. I was like, this guy's got something like, let him talk, let him go. And then he finally like joined the nation of domination. He started to talk a little bit and I'm like, this dude's going to be the dude. And he was current product. I will say I've watched Ron Smackdown a little bit more. They are better shows now. I think I am the AEW jinx because every time I tune into Dynamite because something big's happening, the show stinks and it makes me regret watching it. I've watched two and maybe the last... I did watch the Daniel Bryan-Daniel Garcia match or the Bryan Danielson-Daniel Garcia match, the two out of three falls. It was really good. Uh, so I will say that was good. I watched the, the events the dynamite with Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston when they had their like barbed wire everywhere match. And it yeah. made me want to puke because Jericho I, I, won. I hated it. I hated it. It made no sense. And I then I watched Wednesday show in general. I will say, go on. Yeah. This if week, Eddie Kingston had won. Yeah. If Eddie Kingston had won, uh, I've been like, okay, this is cool. Like the I payoffs I was worth it. This, I haven't even watched this week's show. Don't. It sucks. It's oh, horrible. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, it's so bad. I hated the squash in the, I mean, We'll see where it goes, but the rest of the the rest of the show was horrible. It was really bad, just bad. Like I don't want to see Brian Daniels and Chris Jericho wrestle again. Like I don't want to see it. Like the whole it's just, it's just off. Like if Triple H was booking AEW, it'd be the best promotion in the world. Tony oh. Khan is a stinky, stinky booker. Wow. He's not good. He's not good. I don't agree. Oh, and he's strong, so terrible. Strong disagree. I will say. I will say though, your criticism is accurate because uh, AEW definitely is based on you have to you pretty much have to watch every week so there is no real like dropping in um, and that's one of the criticisms of it is that like it, it does not translate well to a more casual or like passive viewing like you do have to kind of be keyed in every week um, and I agree and, and, and I think like that's because they, they pride themselves on the sort of long-term storytelling and sometimes it lands even some of those you know plots sometimes they land sometimes they don't like mileage may vary right but if you're only like tuning into random episodes, it would be very easy to catch like a random episode of of AW and just like, what the hell is going on? This makes no sense, or I'm not enjoying myself. I, I do think WWE lends itself a little bit better to if you 
if you watched like one episode and then came back two weeks later and watched another episode, you'd kind of be okay. You kind of like, you're still, you're not losing your footing. You kind of know who everyone is. Um, AW has some issues with that. It, it's, it's trying to appeal to um, a very, very specific subset of fans. And that can be very alienating to a larger subset of fans. So I understand where you're coming from, Mike. I disagree about the booking completely. I think AW is amazingly well booked, but it does require a certain level of attention uh, and dedication that they shouldn't necessarily assume uh, all the everyone has. So I actually kind of understand what you're saying. There's too many cooks in the kitchen. Chris Jericho has way too much involvement in that promotion. You could see Chris Jericho's ideas all over that show. But all his stuff he does is good, though. All, all the Jericho's, uh, the Jericho appreciation side stuff's hilarious. The oh no no no, the Jericho stuff, the Jericho stuff is great. The Jericho MJF feud was great for like yeah. a little while, and then of course they have to give Jericho the win on the way out, which is just horrendously bad booking. Well, and I then mean, he, he's a babyface. Jericho baby Eddie, the Jer- babyfaces win feuds. Listen, Jericho, like Jericho's a leech. Like oh, he's over. I'll go and wrestle him because he's over right now and I can get the rub. See, like, but he, uh, he also, well, I disagree with that. He also elevates, this is a whole other debate. But no, he, he doesn't. Elevates, Come on. He elevates so many, Oh, my. He's just elevated all these guys in the Jericho Appreciation Society. Did he, though? Yes, Did he? The guy, yes. His, his, his previous table with, with friggin' uh, Ortiz and Santana, who are like amazing guys who a lot of people, you know, weren't that familiar with, they joined Jericho. He elevates a lot of people. We, we are not in agreement on this. No. And I'm not the, the biggest Chris Jericho fan, but I think they use him really well. Yeah. Right. Jericho hater. Go ahead. I have. I think I have yeah. three more questions. Yeah, Jericho hater. I've got a few more, but obviously I, I don't think we can get to them all, but we'll we'll try and hit some of these quicker. Uh, this one should be pretty quick. So somewhat, Mike, you may have seen that the Dana White UFC versus the media video was re-uploaded this week for some strange So now reason. I have two questions to so go. Okay. <laughs> is, this, is this tied, right? Is this tied? Maybe they sent to both of us. I got multiple inquiries about this. Okay. Well, let's, yeah, yeah. So let's see. Well, let's tie Let's tie this all together. So this uh, this person who sent to me wasn't aware that they had actually it had been uploaded before. They actually sent to me asking like, oh, have you seen this? And like, uh, what do you think of it? And I, was, I told them like, oh, that's actually from, you know, like last summer. Um, it's old. We don't know why they re-uploaded it. Um, so that's kind of what, what I want to discuss. I think, it, you know, they're asking for our thoughts. I kind of want to know, like, I think we can talk about why we, we might have been re-uploaded. I'm not sure. But like, what were your questions yeah. regarding them? Um, most of it was just about that. But one, the one that I actually chose was why did the UFC release the, the hit video again? It's, it yeah. seems very random and weird. We, we I, don't, say, I have no we idea. Do, we should say we don't know, first of all, why it was originally taken down. We have, we have our ideas, um, you know, the people he's working with at ESPN, obviously, and other uh, other people, um, you know, above the UFC might have said, hey, you guys can't release a video like this. Like, this is very unprofessional. <laughs> this is a very strange, weird, unprofessional thing to do. Take it down. We also thought they used a lot of content from other outlets to make the video. We thought that was the reason. There might have been copyright uh, infringement things because it, it grabs from all kinds of sources. Um, and I guess technically it does credit. There's a lot of like so-and-so via MMA fighting, for example. Um but yeah, we weren't sure why. We weren't sure if it was the, uh, Dana White and the UFC got a call from someone saying take it down, or if it was a rights issue with some of the footage and imagery they were using, or something else entirely. I don't know why they took it down, and I certainly don't know why it's back. This is, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's something going on in the media, and this is a Dana White call in my eyes. And I don't know if this is for a fact, but this has to be a Dana White call. Sure. And solely a Dana White call. Maybe it's just, I don't know. Maybe he's hearing that people in the media think 279 sucks as an entire card and he's trying to discredit us a little bit and be like, 
hey, listen, we're the brands. Like they might cover us, but they're not as important as we are. I have no idea. It's stupid and it makes no sense. And I'll just go back to what I said earlier because people asked about this. Oh, I had one person like not defend the video, but I don't think he understood the context. But if you go back and listen, and I did not for all of them, but if you go back and listen to most of those clips and then you go find the original creations of these videos and these podcasts or whatnot, and you actually go back like five minutes before that clip and then like five minutes after, you look at those comments and those quotes in a totally different way. There are compliment sandwiches. This is cool. I hope it works. I have questions about this, but ultimately I hope it works out. Like that's basically how it worked out. And to me, this whole narrative that Dana White against the media, the media, those P words that cover our sport, that know nothing about fighting, they were actively rooting for us to fail. They're actively rooting for our demise. That is the biggest bunch of horse shit I have ever heard in my life. Why it would makes we do that? No sense. Why? Why would we do Why that? Why would we do that? Why? <laughs> we would not have jobs, first of all. And second of all, I don't give a shit if Dana White makes another dollar at this point. But I do care that the fighters make money. And without fights, they don't make money. So why would we want it to fail? Did we have questions about how the COVID regulations would work and what they were doing to ensure safety for not only the fighters, but for people like myself who would go and cover these events potentially? Of course we did. But did we actively want them to fail and like suffer and demise have demise as a company? Absolutely not. And this narrative that Dana and the UFC have created that we wanted them to fail is just bullshit. And casual, the newer casual fans that have come on board, which by the way, we helped during that whole thing. We brought fans over to you guys. We helped. People found, watched the UFC card and then they found our content. I can't begin to tell you how many people have said, I wasn't a fan of MMA until you guys are putting out so much content during the pandemic and then I got more interested. At the end of the day, we're putting more eyeballs on your product. Even if we think a card stinks and we don't have, like, we're ain't afraid to say it. If a card on paper looks awful, we're going to say it. But we are also going to find diamonds in the rough. We're going to find the needle in the haystack. We're going to find the things that you should watch and that you will enjoy. And we are trying to be positive with the situation. So that whole narrative of, oh, the media wanted us to fail as a company. They wanted us to go under. They didn't want us to continue to, they didn't care about the fighters. Bullshit. It's not true. It's absolutely wrong. And I have no idea why this video got released again. But most people wanted your reaction on this because you are actually featured in this video, AK. Oh, am I? Am I? I was not. <laughs> I wasn't aware. <laughs> yes, I am prominently featured and I, I am made to look like some sort of psychopathic killer. <laughs> uh, my Twitter profile picture just grayed out. Turn, yeah, really. And, and I, I think my clip in it is something like something to the effect of like, Man, the UFC needs to be careful. And that's it. Like, that's literally what I say. And I guess that's, I guess that's why they picked me. Because um, I'm not like a super famous member of the media. I may be beloved. I'll, I'll acknowledge. I am beloved by those who know me. But I'm not like one of the most famous media names out there. So I guess they thought this is a guy who he at least works for a major site. So there's some, you know, we can sort of, this is our way. We can kind of go after MMA fighting. And he also looks, he's, looks like a pretty harmless guy. 
Um, so I don't think uh, it's going to cause much of a fuss. And guess what? They were right. I've joked about it ever since, ever since that video came out. I've, I've shared the, the grayed out image of my, my grayed out visage uh, everywhere as a response, as a joke. So, you know, yeah, whatever. No harm done. Uh, again, and, and through all this, first of all, Mike, that was fantastic. Mike check for Dana White, the UFC, and whoever it is that supports this dumbass narrative. Um, but yeah, we still kind of really don't have an answer. As, like you said, maybe they're trying to get ahead of some criticism they're expecting. Maybe it's because fighter pay, again, has sort of come up. He did that GQ interview, and he got really salty that uh, I believe it was our, our pal uh, Mark Ramondi at ESPN who kind of turned that into a, uh, an article, you know, kind of turned comments from that video into an article, and he got really, really, really mad about that. Um, and let's not forget, Mark was the original uh it's a legitimate question asking about COVID. I'm, I'm still, I don't think that's in this video. I, I didn't watch the whole thing again, but um, so yeah, it's a, it's a narrative needs to die. This video is not going to help things, but you know, you know how the, how the news week is. Hopefully it comes and goes and uh, we're not talking about this again for, for a while, but yeah, just a strange thing to see it pop up again. Yeah. Uh, so, so long after it came out and was deleted. Like it's not even like we're, we're, we're not like completely on the other side of COVID, but we're pretty much living normal lives now. So like it doesn't even, like timeline wise, it doesn't even like match up. It's just, it's just so random and bizarre, but I don't know. I don't give a shit. You guys want to be salty and you want to be, be like that. Go right ahead. Mike, let's move on. Let's you, yeah. let's, you know what? I shouldn't have brought it up. Let's move on. Uh, so this is my second to last question from Scott. I just finished watching BTL with Brian Campbell and Jed, and it was one of the best pieces of MMA programming I've ever watched. Oh my goodness. It didn't seem like it was over an hour and I was laughing hysterically throughout. I have two questions. How do you guys keep things so effortless during these shows, especially in the BTL role when things can go off the rails? My other question for both of you, because I assume AK keeps up, what would be your dream BTL matchup with current members of the MMA media? Oh, I got one of those too. Okay, interesting. Dream BTL match. Oh, so just one-on-one. One-on-one. I'm going, it's Jed versus Helwani. I, I, I mean, I think Errol has to be on it. I, I think that would be such a fun, just a fun thing for him to do. And he loves a good debate. You know, everyone knows he's a pot stir. You know, Errol is number one in many things in the MMA media sphere. And let me tell you something. He is the number one pot stir. This man, this man loves to get in that stew and swish it around and, and cause trouble for the fighters, for us in the media and for the fan. You know, he loves it. He's a disturber. He's a line stepper. And that's why, uh, and that's why he's, that's why he's one of the best to ever do it. So for sure, uh, Ariel, uh, Jed, yeah, I guess Jed makes a lot of sense. Jed is is arguably the goat of BTL. He's made so many appearances. He fought the best of the best. Uh, he never got that elusive W over uh, over Phoenix, but fingers crossed that could still happen someday. I know he's he's chasing that. Um, yeah, I think I think I think Jed Rosero is an excellent choice. Yes, I would agree. I think that's the one because I think if this if this Hilwani persona is actually real. Jed will bring it out of him like nobody else. There's nobody else that can bring it out of him. Maybe, maybe Dana or Ali or something. But I feel like Jed, in a live in live time, could could really do it. And then the effortless thing. I don't. I mean, for us doing all these shows, we just go. We just hit record and talk. Sometimes we read questions. Sometimes we read your thoughts, and we just converse. I say it all the time. People ask like about interviews and about doing shows and all these different things. And I just say, I'm just me. Like if, if we were all sitting at a bar with no camera on and no microphones in our face, we would say the same things. There's nothing different at all. So 
that's just how I handle it. And sometimes you have to take control. Sometimes things get off the rails. BC and Jed got into a, some yelling battles, but I had a, <laughs> I let it go for as far as I could. And then I realized I'm like, oh boy, this is going far too long and I have to rein it back. But it's just something you just got to feel and just hope you're right. So Talk- there you go. Yeah, talking about pot stirrers and that Brian Campbell. I'll tell you, he's oh, like stir the pot. Great stuff. <laughs> great stuff. Uh, I, I will say, and a key to it is also not not just like, I, I guess this is professional. You know, we've had I, I don't know you like if you got some. I got a lot of questions. I'm not going to read them all out. Asking for like professional advice. How did we? And we've talked about this in previous shows. How we got to where we're going. So I'll just give another another tip here. Is like, man, just listen to people. Like, um, listen to people. Obviously, listen to you know people in the, like whose shows you like to watch. Listen to how they talk to people. But also, if you get the chance to be on one of these shows or even just. Just have conversations with your friends or with other people about MMA. Listen, listen to them. Listen to the how they express themselves. Um, listen to the how they react to things you say. Because there's a lot to learn. Whether it is you're you're on a debate show with like a a, a Mike Heck or a Jen Mashu or like a or I don't know, like a, a Craig Allen, Dave, Davidson Baker, for example. You know, just just going back to our roots, going back to uh, some of the shows we did in the past. Keith Schillen, like, good lord. Keith Schillen, right? There's just there's little things you can take from people and also you you can learn how people react to the things you say and it's not like you're going to actively be thinking about these things when you're when you but as you keep you know doing them more and having more conversations yeah it just kind of becomes natural and you learn where where to breathe where to let other people get their stuff in when to pay attention to what someone says so that you can shut them down later and just slam their take that's a big one um but yeah it is just having a conversation and it just takes a little bit of, of repetitions and practice to have those conversations in a professional setting and, and to not just become uh, uh, you know, a, a rambling guy in a pub, which can be entertaining in its own way, but not always something you want for like a, a podcast. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Go ahead. Uh, Pick your right. best you, one uh, and then I'll end okay. with my last one. All right. I like this one. So, so sorry for everyone else. A lot of great questions got sent in. Uh, please send them in the future. We'll definitely touch upon them. Uh, one of the people from the replies is my favorite one from the people who replied to our call for tweets. At Watch Talk Fights or Mikey Fights on Twitter, if you were to create a fighter, would you put 75 points in skill and 25 in athleticism or 75 points in athleticism and 25 in skill? They'll say, is there also a perfect split between the two? But no, no, I don't want to split. I want I want to have a choice here. Do you go three quarters athleticism, one quarter skill, Mike, or the other way around? If I'm creating a fighter from scratch, essentially? Yeah, I think division matters, but go ahead. I, I think what division we're talking about matters, but yeah. It's athleticism by a mile. It's right. not even close because right. you can learn. You can yeah. learn skill. You can become. In, uh, you can work to become a better athlete. But those who are just natural athletes, that are just freaks, that where athleticism overcomes skill, I mean, those are those are some of the best fighters in the world. Like look at John Jones. Like John Jones is very skillful, but he was so successful because he's a freak athlete. And there are other examples of that as well. Like. I know we don't like to mention Greg Hardy, but the fact that Greg Hardy had any success at all yes. in MMA, it's because he was a freak athlete. He is. He, again, yes, again, strongly dislike Greg Hardy, but he is one of the most athletic heavyweights I've probably, pro- like, I've seen in the last, like, 15 years. That's not an exaggeration. That's not an exaggeration. Yeah. You take a high level, a defense, a guy who was athletic enough to play a premium defensive position and be a pro bowler at that level in the NFL, and you put him into MMA. He is again. I I don't. I'm looking at the the heavyweight roster now in the UFC. I don't think there's anyone who I would say. Uh, I'm looking at like the top 15. I don't think there's anyone I would say is more athletic than Greg Hardy. Like no. Um, maybe John so, Jones when he when he actually oh, fights I, I, a heavyweight. He actually, fight, yeah, there you go. I put John Jones in there, maybe. But other than that, like that kind of athleticism is rare, 
And again, I think the further you go down, maybe the less it matters. But I mean, heavyweight, light heavyweight, middleweight, even like welterweight, if you have an athleticism advantage over your opponent, it's going to take you a long way. Will it take you all the way to a title? I don't know. But could it take you to like a top 15 ranking? Uh, hells yeah, it could. Hells yeah, it could. Yeah. It, is, uh, it is such an asset uh, to be more athletic than... Uh, the first year. And just to bring it back, we had some NBA talk earlier. I'd say, here's some example. Look at guys like Russell Westbrook, uh, LeBron James. Look at the upper, upper, upper tier. Amazingly skilled guys, super skilled. But why, uh, Giannis, I mentioned Giannis, I think the best player in the NBA. Uh, when you when you take their skill and add it with their athletic package, sometimes it looks like they're not playing the same game. Russell Westbrook, uh, not not one of my favorite players, but in his prime, during his, his MVP season and, and some of the years there, He's just so much faster and can jump so much higher and so uh, so relentlessly fast. It really looked like he was just outworking people for like 48 minutes or however long he was he was on the court. And like that's the kind of gap. And then you can watch whatever. If you watch hockey, football, pick another sport, uh, soccer. There are some superior athletes in these sports, and that's and they're not necessarily the best of the best, but they almost always stand out. They almost always have success. There are exceptions. There are plenty of busts out there, but definitely in MMA. Man, having uh, what Jed and I always say, plus athleticism, uh, it can take you so so far. Uh, you just you would just be amazed. Um, yeah, the difference between like a highly skilled veteran fighter and then someone with like seven pro fights who's a great athlete who's had some decent training can absolutely just go in there and bolt them. <laughs> yeah, I would go with athleticism all day because you can teach <laughs> skill. If you give me a guy who has seventy five percent athleticism, seventy five points, yeah, man, crazy, absolutely insane. <laughs> Uh, last one, Let's I, go. I got about three or four of these, but I'm going to try to mix it up. There's one that added a little juice to it. So I will do that. Uh, so the question I keep getting is who will John Jones fight when he, when he returns, will it be Steve or Francis. And then, you know, he said one, this one in particular, Jermaine, I lean more towards Steve Bay because I don't think the UFC and Francis will come to terms and they'll fight for the actual belt. Then he actually adds, if you could pick one of the heavyweight title contenders right now to fight Jones, Steve or Francis, whoever has the title at the end of this chaos, who would you pick? I feel like John Jones will have the title when the dust settles, but who would you like to see his first title defense against if my premonition is true? Say that again. If you could pick any heavyweight to fight... Any content... If, if I could pick one of the heavyweight title contenders outside of Jones, Stipe, or Francis, it appears, because one of those guys is going to have the belt oh, at the right. end of all of this. So whoever the undisputed champion is, if these guys aren't in play, who would be the guy? To defend the title against first i mean <laughs> this is i think this is super easy i think it is too but i have another option because i think this man is going to win by explosive knockout in next weekend's main event so that's the easy pick I, oh that is your easy pick you, tie to Ivasa is the answer really ties the answer if tie if tie to Ivasa if he knocks out if he knocks out if tie to Ivasa beats zero gun i don't care if he 48 47 split decisions him <laughs> Ty's next fight has to be for the Give belt. The enough is enough. He's the guy. I was after he knocked out Derek Lewis. I said Ty Tuivasa's next fight should be for the belt because you have to do it now. He's going to lose eventually, and once he does, like it's yeah. done. So you have to do it now. You have to get this. He's so hot right now, and if he beats Cyril Gan in Paris in a fight that no one thinks he's going to win except for maybe you and a couple of others, <laughs> you have to give him the title fight. Like, give him give him his chance. Give this man his chance. He'll be the ultimate baby face yeah. against any of these guys. This is like Alex, Alex Panetta, right? After he beat Strickland, it's like, don't, it's like, don't overthink this. Don't think of it. Just get, it's like the time is now, and, and the UFC did it right. They gave him his title shot. Yeah, two of us would be the same. I thought you were going to say 
the obvious answer was Curtis Blades. It's not the obvious answer. Skill for uh, skill, yes, but in terms of like what fans are clamoring uh, for, yeah. what the UFC is all about, besides shitting on the media, that's it. Like you got a babyface guy that if he beats Cyril Gaon, he is. I'm not gonna say he's a superstar, but he is a star in this division. He probably already is. He's just he's on fire right now. He turned babyface in Houston after knocking out Derek Lewis. For God's sake, this guy is a babyface and he's a stud. He's a star in your company, but this is only going to last for so long because Ty is not the most skillful human being on the planet, but he can punch like a mofo and he is durable as hell because Derek Lewis put the boots to him and he overcame it. The ref let the fight continue and then Ty Tuivasa went out there and bolted Derek Lewis in the second round. He got over so big. And now he's fighting Cyril Gaon. Nightmare matchup. I remember on to the next one. So many people suggested this. I'm like, I hate this fight. I hate it stylistically. But if he wins, you push this man to the moon. And I feel bad for Curtis Blades because he has a definitely, he definitely has more of a meritocratic case to be made to fight for the belt after what this man has done in his career. But Ty Tuivasa is getting it over Curtis Blades, especially in the UFC. If this is Bellator, Curtis Blades would have already fought for the title. But this is a whole different ballgame. And Francis Ngannou or John Jones or Stipe Miocic versus Ty Tuivasa is the best. And I have to watch it. That's it. Listen, this is per- – I got nothing to add to that. This is the per- perfect lead-in to ne- uh, upcoming fight week. Again, UFC Paris fight week, Tuivasa, Ngannou. There's a little, there's a little advanced. Ngannou? I'm sorry, gone, gone, not in Ghana, gone. <laughs> Tuivasa and Cedil gone. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get Tuivasa and gone eventually. We'll see about that. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah. September third main event UFC Paris. Uh, there you go, guys. There's a, there's a little teaser, a little preview for you because we're gonna be talking about this a lot in the coming week on all our uh, our various programming. So thank you everyone who sent in questions. So many so many good ones. And again, apologies to everyone who we didn't get to. Uh, it, it, there was there was again there were a lot of good ones that I think uh, that we could have read, but. Um, just, uh, yeah, but you know, another time, guys. Send them in. Keep those in mind. Send them in another time because we will do this again. I love this event for a number of reasons. One, because the top two fights are really good. There's a couple of other bangers in here, but it's an early start time. Noon Eastern prelims, 3 p.m. Eastern main card. Wow. Very excited about this. Cyril Gan, Taitu Ivasa, Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori, the most maybe overlooked fight for the rest of the year. Like, no one's talking about this fight, which is blasphemy because it's really interesting uh let's see to kiriko roman kapilov nazarat hakparas john mcdesi charles freaking jordan versus nathaniel wood that's gonna Ooh. be a banger Kalitaha, christian quinones the return of nasardine imavov against joaquin buckley what big a, opportunity that's a great fight wow that's big opportunity fight. uh dustin stoltzvis versus Abu Supian Magomedov, Benoit mm-hmm. Santini welcomes Gabriel Miranda, Ferez Zayam back in the UFC. All right. Back in France. He should be on this card against Michel Figlak, Alan Perez, Stephanie Egger, and William Gomez takes on Jarno Ehrens. I probably mispronounced a bunch of those names, but I wouldn't know if you did. Well, probably not going to match make for most of them anyways. No offense, <laughs> but that's, that's just how the show works. But we are done. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week after an all-new edition, or for an all-new edition of Onsen Action. The matchmaking hats return after UFC Paris. Until then, don't take this stuff too seriously. MMA is supposed to be fun, and we will have more fun next week on On to the Next One, the podcast. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. 
The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. <laughs>